Welcome to the 34 Welcome to Make Matriarchy Great Again. Welcome back to the 34 Circe Salon. In part three of our episode on the sacred script of matriarchy, we discussed the specific symbols used in that script. Vicki Noble, Don Sam Alden, and me, Sean Marlon Newcomb, are in discussion. In terms of the specifics of the script, are there particular symbols that recur? Are there certain symbols that are central to this sacred script or sacred language? And then what are they in terms of this sort of divine, this divine worship, this feminine divine worship? Yeah, good question, Sean. That's so, so central. Um, the, the V, the vulva, is... Uh, depicted in the script more than any other letter or sign. Um, and, you know, the V, the sign, the vulva, goes back, uh, it goes back, I don't know, 35,000 years, probably way more. Uh, we just don't know beyond that. Um, and it's the essential glyph of the goddess of this sort of central matrix figure in the long, long story tradition uh, of the Paleolithic and, and the Neolithic um, without really much of a dividing line. And so we see this. Scholars are aware of the symbol. What does the mainstream scholarship make of that symbol? The fact that that's there constantly, it's central to what they're finding. Do they simply... Well, prehistorians uh, actually relate to it, you know, but there aren't too many of those. And and uh, prehistory is relegated to the dustbin. I mean, nobody cares. They drew such a fine line between what they called culture, that is to say prehistory, and civilization, that is to say history. It was Gordon Child, I think, who did that originally, but I think there are lots of people who have, Glenn Daniels, there were a lot of early scholars when I was just beginning my study uh, who, who, who drew that line rigorously and held to it. So I wouldn't say that very many of the academics have really studied the signs of the old European script. Uh, certainly Harold Harmon is one of the main ones. There's a guy, an Italian guy, Marco Merlini. He's done wonderful work with the script. There's somebody named uh, Sean Wynn who has uh, done wonderful work with the, with the Danube script. I mean, they're really smart. You know, they had a conference. I think they had more than one. One that I'm aware of, the first one, was in 2004 in Serbia, in I believe it maybe in no, Novi Sad. Uh, they had a conference where the scholars came together to really discuss the whole controversial issue of whether the old European script is a real script and can be taken seriously that way or not. And so a lot of uh, papers and, uh, you know, a lot of wonderful writing and expression has come out of that conference and other ones that followed. 
And that was something that Joan Marler uh, produced. Nice. Yeah. Do you think that, do you think that, and you know, I'm, I'm, I know you're not a scholar at the script on the script itself, but I'm wondering if part of the reason why it has never been um, translated um, in, you know, we've never really uh, been able to figure out what they're saying is that because it was such, so heavily involved with symbols that would have carried a bunch of information to the people, the contemporaries, that without that understanding of the culture, we can't figure out. Well, I don't think I would say we can't. I would say Ludus went a long way toward figuring. Okay. So there is hope that we could someday perhaps figure out the meaning of these symbols and, and be able to uh, to a certain extent, translate it? Well, in a sense. I mean, it can't be translated, as I said, like an epic or something. You know, it's not right. Legal. But, uh, but certainly um, it's, it's, not a, it's not a great reach to study uh, the V sign, the, uh, the vulva, and then other signs uh, that were very prominent as well. My friend uh, Miriam Robbins-Dexter, has done a lot of work over her lifetime. Um, she was Maria Gimbutas's uh, PhD student. Maria oh. sat on her uh, doctoral committee. Um, and she has done great papers and interesting uh, pieces and a book on the sacred display figures, the female forms and shapes uh, that are showing you the vulva and, and that kind of thing from the most ancient times. And mm-hmm. she works a lot with the V and the M. And uh, she works with the V as the vulva. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, in, and, you know, but it's very nuanced. And the M as a kind of a squatting, dancing figure, because so much of the ancient uh, images in different cultures before patriarchy show women dancing it's mm. it's repeated you know over and over so obviously that was a big part of the ancient ritual life and she sees miriam sees that in the m in a in a very basic way gimbutas had said that the m is a woman uh squatting to give birth mm you know, which is very nice in and of itself. And then others said, ah, she's squatting, she's ready for coitus. You know, okay, (laughs) whatever. Um, And then (laughs) then scholars like uh, Miriam and my friend Laura Amazzone, who have studied the Indus Valley culture, the early Indian, you know, pre-Indian culture, um, have have gone into depth uh, with those ideas because in later historical times, there are figures that come after that. There, there are these figures called Laja Gauris. You know, it's always, I always say this in every session, I, it's hard to talk about these things without a visual. But the Laja Gauris are kind of like looking at a woman's body that has been stylized as an M. And so her knees are up and her... Right. 
your arms are up, you know, and, and, and the Lajagaris have no head and, and the, they're display figures in the sense that the vulva is highlighted right. in some way. It's central. And the, the you know, the expression is something like, uh, as above, so below, you know, the great mother and I share this common ground. Nice. So it's uh, it's like uh, displaying your credentials. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> and, you know, as, as all of these scholars point out, the, the, the script itself that we're talking about, the, the old European script, it's quite systematic. Um, in fact, uh, someone said about it, uh, numerous cultures, culture systems, comprising a highly developed agrarian civilization, which included writing with an advance with the advanced institutions and technologies and sophisticated artistic traditions. That's how Harold Harmon talks about the script and its context, you know, the Balkan mm -hmm. scripts as they're called sometimes. And but we're talking about cultures that had really become quite highly evolved and, and very uh, structured. The Vincha culture in kind of the area of old Yugoslavia, mm -hmm. uh, the Ranovo culture, we've mentioned that before on this. Yes, show. we have, yeah. And the Kukuteni Trapelia culture, more up uh, in the Ukraine. Uh, those are the, they all had a form of this script. But but what they what all the scholars who are interested in this say is that the uh, it goes the signs and symbols are from much earlier, and they're brought down through this amazing continuity. Uh, and then you get the script like Vincha, which has more than a thousand individual signs. Mm. You know, and and they're all they're all another really important thing about the script is that basically. The script is written or inscribed on uh, female-centric objects and and uh, identifiers, uh, such as uh, spindle whorls and loom weights. I think uh, the I think the loom. I forget. I don't think I have a percentage on that. But potsherds, you know, pottery pieces make up 24% of where we find the script. So they wrote on, on the pottery along with their beautiful art. Vicki, uh -huh. I, I just, I guess I'm just astonished. So you're saying there's a thousand individual yeah. signs, individual yeah. symbols. Why, why is it then in dispute that this is a form of script, a means of communication? What is it about the way these symbols are, let's say, strung together or drawn together or painted together? Why, what's the argument against the idea of this being a, a script and the, the earliest form of it? Or is it simply, again, they're just blowing this thing off, not even addressing it? They being the scholarly community, the established mainstream scholarship. Well, um, they, I, they have, I suppose, established, uh, you know, precise criteria that they believe define a real script. And um, I'm not an expert enough to tell you what all of that criteria might be. But sure. I know that Harold Harmon, for example, and Sean Wynn have, uh, you know, are, are 
fighting back against that that rigidity. And their uh, their pieces of writing are usually very intelligently laying out all the reasons why it is a script and why it has to be taken seriously that way. Um, has anybody compared it? I mean, I've seen early Egyptian hieroglyphs, which were much more concrete in their depiction of the symbols as opposed to the more abstract later forms that we see and we know from the pyramids and tombs. Has anybody compared that to this earlier form of script in old Europe? What I'm driving at is it just the, the way you're describing things. It, it like with many of the things we discussed on these discussed on these podcasts, it's just mind-boggling to me that this is controversial instead of simply studied and looked at and looked at for what it reveals about an earlier culture. I well, mean, again, it gets back to the matriarchy fear thing, you know. Partly, I think it's because uh, it's not uh, as even the hieroglyphs and the cuneiform. Well, first of all, there's no Rosetta Stone, and that's very unhelpful. We don't have anything to compare it to that has been translated that we could use as a guide. So it remains undeciphered. Um, but the thing about the way that it's uh, the way that it's inscribed and expressed, it's mostly on, as I say, the pottery or female figurines. So it's actually written on the body of women, mm-hmm. and and it's not a linear script. You know, you don't see it in lines. It's not like you're reading cuneiform or got it or hieroglyphics, and so. I guess that's probably part of it. And, and the fact that it's written on the bodies of women is probably uh, a deterrent, you know, to having the scholars take it seriously. But that is the point that, the, uh, that has to be made, is that it was all about this ancient, human, storied tradition that we've been telling, you know, since we first uh, acquired the language and the ability to think about it, homo sapiens sapiens, you know. Right, uh, right. So we could uh, begin to uh, make some sort of narrative. And it is perhaps worth pointing out that we see this script on, you know, metal uh, spindles and pottery and stone carvings because those are the things that survived. The script may have been also present on things that, did not survive, like fibers, weavings, and uh, cloth. And well, that's that's absolutely true because some of the early uh, something that they sort of separate from the script, but not really, um, are the stamp seals. They call them pintaderas, and again, it's because they're pictographic. You know, they have a picture, like mm-hmm. think of a swastika, something like that. Um, and those uh, stamp seals, well, actually, they come from even before Old Europe. They come from Anatolia. They're part of the Anatolian tradition. And, and we know the Anatolian farmers moved into uh, Greece, Thessaly, and up into Old Europe. So they were used to stamping patterns onto what they call various media. So, yes, onto cloth, um, because weaving was so central to the mm. European culture, so important and so very sacred. 
And, you know, my master's thesis was on women's textile making rituals around the world. And, oh. and today, uh, in places like Peru or the Huichols in Mexico, um, the, the Andean culture, the, the, the weaving is extremely religious, but that's the wrong word, spiritual, you know, it has such a profound spiritual dimension. And, and needless to say, it's women who are doing this work. And it's women who are making the pottery and painting it. And these are women's symbols. This is women's culture. And that's probably the simple answer to your question of why it gets ignored and why people dismiss Maria Gimbutas because she didn't ignore that. She actually said, oh, this is, you know, basically a female-centric civilization. And uh, everything points to this, uh, this reverence for the earth and the earth mother and the, uh, and the central matrix figure that we call a goddess and that Maria used the word goddess to describe. But that's, right. you know, that's, and that's like uh, creates a kind of resistance in people, a need to, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, and if anyone doubts that, I mean, to see the earlier part of the discussion about the bones of the warrior queen, that, that if anyone doubts that scholars have their own preconceived notions and biases, even within a very rigorous scientific approach to things, simply look at that, particularly when it comes to gender. So it's completely believable and understandable in the sense of reason that we can see these scholars avoiding it because this is a female-centric, this is women's culture in a sense. So um, let's talk a little bit about some of the symbols. You know, we mentioned the V and the M. Are there other um, symbols that, uh, that are Identify, that we can identify and um, that perhaps we see continuing today in, in a similar way or as um, now really considered decoration. So like in architecture and in uh, fabric and things like, and, and um, design. Well, uh, the double X. I mean, double axe. Our symbol, our representation. The the double axe is so old. It's uh, it's on uh, it's on wall uh, drawings in Chatelhuyuk in old Anatolia in old Turkey from uh, what eight eight thousand years ago. Um, oh, even more, nine thousand years ago. Um, and the and is this... axe, Sorry, go ahead. The double axe is really uh, an image that'll bring us back to the calendar so that I can finish what I didn't finish about the seasonal cycle. But the double axe is the, the, the doubling, you know, the, the lunar cycle, the new moon, the full moon. It's, right. That's what makes the double axe the double axe. It's two crescents, the, the waxing and the waning. Uh, and the central, uh, the the handle of the axe is the the central piece, the full moon. So that that ancient symbol uh, goes back all the way to the beginning of old European uh, visual art, and and it's also part of the script, and it's also 
part of the linear A script. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, Harold Harmon is one of the scholars who has, <clears throat> who has followed this, has kind of tracked this um, all the way to Crete and later. <clears throat> he, he's talking about it. Um, Sean Wynn is talking about it. They're, they, uh, they've tracked it. I think Harmon even has like five different varieties of double axes in Crete, but it's definitely one of the things we can see that links together uh, old Europe as a precursor to the mm. culture in Crete that, that we're all so interested in. What about um, the spiral? The spiral is very common, like la- um, or a labyrinth. Are, is very common in modern paganism today as associated with the goddess. Did that have a precursor in any of these? Yes, the spiral was uh, part of the script. The meander uh, sort of represents the flowing water. What else? There are a lot of... Uh, I've really only dealt with the ones that were used the most, like the V and the M and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and the double X. But uh, yeah, there are so many. Um one of the things that is fun in terms of reading this material from somebody like Harold Barman and Joan Marler is that they have lots of pictures of the script signs and nice. you can see for yourself, you know, uh, how they're both art and sign. And the, and the, and Harman makes a lot of comparisons to the Indus Valley script. Now they're terribly far apart in, in chronology, <clears throat> The uh, Indus Valley is in the third millennium BCE. And of course, the old European script is in the sixth millennium. Mm. And maybe there's a connection. Thank you for listening. Tune in for part four up next on the 34 Circe Salon. Take care. Mm-hmm.